Well, hello again, everybody. William Lutz back here for the Beyond the Column podcast. Glad you could join us today uh, live and on location in Columbus, Ohio this morning. I am here for the annual Ohio Municipal League Conference. Uh, possibly more on that in a future podcast, but we're going to lay that aside because uh, this week I took a trip and it's not not here to Columbus, but it was somewhere else. Um, a little bit of a backstory, you know, uh, if you think about the history of the National Football League, you always run into connections back with the state of Ohio. You know, the, the league was, was literally formed at a car dealership in Canton, Ohio, um, just blocks away from where the uh, Hall of Fame is today. Most of the teams that started in the NFL, you know, that first year, they were from Ohio. Uh, The first NFL game was played uh, right down the road from where I live in Dayton. It was the Dayton Triangles against the Columbus Panhandles. In fact, there are currently four teams that are playing in the NFL that started in Ohio. Um, so everywhere you look, there's these connections to Ohio and, um, today, this week I got to explore one of those connections. Um, the Wilson sporting goods company, um, makes the football for the national football league. It's called, uh, the Duke model and each one of those balls is made in a small factory in Ada, Ohio. And and Ada is a small town east of Lima. It's home to Ohio Northern University. Um, It's not a very large town at all. There might be a few thousand people that live there. And so this week I had the chance to go up to the Wilson uh, football factory up there in Ada. And wow, was it an interesting experience. Um, you drive up to the factory and your first thought is this is it. It, it is a, it is a nondescript building, uh, clad in corrugated metal. Um, there's nothing about it that says this is a, a high tech modern place. Um, It's just a factory. And so uh, we go in and you're greeted by a very small lobby with kind of that old 1970s wooden paneling. And uh, you're whisked down a hallway. And the next thing you know, you are on the shop floor. And um, I would not be, I I believe the first Wilson footballs made for the NFL were made back in 1931. And the way they make those footballs in 1931 are pretty much the same way they make them now. Um, Retired employees come back to help do tours and the building is not really built for tours. So it's kind of crammed a, a little tight. Of course, the day we were uh, there, there was a uh, team from Sports Illustrated that was doing a story. So they've got 
cameras and lights and things that are set up so that they can take pictures. It was all, all very, very fascinating. And on our tour, we had Sharon. Sharon was a longtime employee of the company and she's uh, retired, but she comes back to do these tours. And this was, um, this was fascinating. Uh, you go in, you see the, uh, sheets of leather. Um, there's two kinds of leather. Now the, the, uh, National Football League uses more of the reddish colored leather and college footballs are made out of more of the orange colored leather. And we were told there's really no difference in the leather other than the color. And so you, uh, you, you see the leather as it comes in, it comes in on these, these big sheets kind of on these pallets. And then, um, the college footballs they use, uh, they use this, this machine that has cameras at the top of it and the cameras kind of map out where, uh, they should cut out the footballs. And then there's a laser cut type device that cuts out the panels for the football. They can only use that on the college footballs because that machine was made in Germany and Wilson sporting goods is very, very careful to ensure that the NFL footballs are, are handmade and that they're also made as much in America as possible. And so they do not use that German made machine on the uh, NFL footballs. So those, those footballs, the red sheets of leather go to, a team of about five employees and they take these, uh, these cookie cutters, um, that are the size of a football panel and they use these big pneumatic presses and they press out each and every panel. And so once those panels are made, it goes to a different section where they, they, they stamp them. And this is where they put the logo on and, um, they've got the commissioner's signature on it and, and all this other stuff. If this is where they were going to put the little white stripes on the football for the colleges, this is where that would happen too. And so all of that happens right there in the kind of the stamping area. Um, and then they can affix logos. Um, Wilson provides the NFL and all its teams with free footballs. And, uh, the teams, when they get their balls, they put their logo on it. And so, uh, you, we saw some, some logos being applied to some footballs there at the factory. And then moving on, you've got a, a team of, of sewers that literally sew the panels together. So they'll do two quarters to make a half, and then they take the halves and put them together. And then you have, uh, a couple guys who basically just kind of work the leather out um, to make sure that uh, it's pliable enough so that they can put in the bladder. And the bladder is that device that kind of holds the air. Um, so they, these guys, oh my gosh, I mean, they, they are working themselves out putting the um, kind of working that leather out, making sure it's sized right, all that other stuff. First of all, they kind of, they literally heat the the leather in kind of a steam, uh, steam bath so that it's pliable. And then they just kind of have these, this, this pole 
for lack of a better term. And they put kind of the cup of they cup the ball around the pole and they just kind of work it out. And it was just a fascinating process to see that. And they, these, these guys, they're, they're not terribly big guys, but man, they are working those balls over, making sure that, uh, that they, they keep their shape and everything so that they can put the bladder in them. And then finally you go over and uh, you go to the, the place where they put in the bladders. Now the bladders are, are black plastic. We, we could not see how the bladders were being made um, because they are made in, in very, very, uh, unhospitable conditions uh they're they're literally made in kind of a small room um in the facility but uh it's very hot in there and it's not conducive to have people come in and out and so people who make those bladders they go in that room uh at the start of their shift and then they're there they are there pretty much uh the whole day and they don't come out and they make the bladders and then um, once the bladders are ready and the balls are ready, it basically goes over to uh, the lacing station. And there's two laces on each ball. Uh, those laces uh, will be coming from a company out of Portsmouth uh, soon. Um, and, and the laces can now be colored. They can now get colored laces. But uh, the NFL balls still use kind of the traditional white lace. And so uh, each football has two laces and it takes uh, an experienced lacer about three minutes to lace that ball correctly. So first of all, they got to put the bladder in. They got to make sure that the little nozzle for the air uh, pokes through the hole. And then once that's in, they inflate it just a little bit and then they uh, start lacing it up. And then they kind of take the tip of that uh, nozzle, uh, air nozzle off. And, and at that point you, you pretty much have a football and, and it was really, really fascinating, uh, to see that process work out. Um, a good lacer can make about 150 footballs a day and boy, they are, they are quick. Um, they're good at it. It was just fascinating to see that process go over and over and over. And so once the footballs are made, uh, they kind of go to the um, inspection station. There's a couple ladies there and, and they've got a couple scales and, and some tape measures. And, and you would kind of think that, you know, the NFL would want these, uh, the tolerances to be so exact that you've got these uh, scientific measurement type devices. And nope, just a basic digital scale and in some tape measures and these ladies look over all the balls and they make sure they're they're at the position they need to be and that they're within the tolerances that they have and they stick them in this uh thing and and they're ready to go they are ready to be played um some of them don't make it and so uh those those do get to be sold uh to the to the public i i believe um but really, most of the balls that you see at like uh, Dick Sporting Goods or things like that, there's really no difference between that ball uh, that you can buy at the store. And I think they run for anywhere from like $80 to $90. There's no difference between that ball and the ball you see being played with on Sunday. There, there's, there's literally no difference. I mean, they're made the same way, same materials, um, 
same process. It's the same ball. And um, Wilson also makes footballs for many colleges. Um, the the host team must provide the balls, so they have contracts with a lot of schools to um, be the ball provider. And they also provide footballs for the Canadian Football League. Um, some interesting notes on the college footballs is that um, Urban Meyer with Ohio State credits the Wilson football for helping them win at least one national championship. And you're thinking, how can a ball do that? Well, Wilson now um, has the ability to put in microchips in their footballs. And another tech company puts transponders around the stadium. They put them in pylons. They put these transponders literally on the field so that there's a whole new set of data that comes in, um, basically tracking the ball, the speed of the ball, the angle of the ball, the velocity of the ball, everything um, that deals with how that ball moves through time and space is being tracked. And that has made a, a difference, at least for Ohio State football, because now with the, when they do their practices um, during the game, they now have a whole new set of data to figure out, hmm, are the players slowing down because the ball's slowing down? Are the passes coming in too fast? Are they not getting there fast enough? How's the kicking game doing? Um, what does the ball look like when it comes off the foot during a field goal attempt or a punt? What's the hang time of the punt? How high is the punt going? There's all of this amazing data that's now being collected and analyzed on how this ball is impacting um, college football games. And, and at least Urban Meyer is just a huge fan of the Wilson football um, just because they can put in that chip. And the amazing thing is, is that it took those engineers at Wilson a long time to figure out where to put the chip um, because the chip does add extra weight to the football. It's uh, I believe they said it was six grams that are added to a football. And you're thinking, eh, that's, that's, that's the weight of a nickel. How, how can that be um, impactful? And it is. I mean, you've got quarterbacks who have been throwing a football ever since they were a kid. And they've come to trust the weight of the football. They've come to trust how it feels. And so when you add a six-gram thing into it, you know, how do you, how do you keep it in a place where it doesn't really affect how the football player is going to interact with the ball? Obviously you just don't want it slipping around in there. Um, how do you, how do you do that? And so basically what they've, they've been able to do is they've been able to fix the chip kind of to the bottom of the bladder and they knew they hit Pater when they took uh, 10 balls to some quarterbacks and they said, throw these 10 balls. Uh, five of them have chips in it. Tell us which five do. And the, the quarterbacks couldn't get it right. And they had no idea which ones had the chips and which ones didn't. At that point, Wilson knew they had a, a, a they've, they've perfected the method of getting the chip into the ball. Um, 
And so that was just extremely, extremely fascinating uh, to see that process lay out. And so, I mean, we were there for, you could probably do the tour in maybe an hour, hour and a half. Um, the equipment there is, is mostly stuff that's, that's honestly kind of old. Um, you would take a look at the stamping machine was fairly new, but, but even the old stamping machines that they still use, I mean, those things looked like they were made in the fifties, the industrial sewing machines, they were old, just a, every football there was, was made by hand. And that was the most amazing part of it. Um, did get to speak to Sharon, who was our tour guide. And I said, I said, so I got to know, do, do you guys like football? And she said, I hate the game. <laughs> um, I guess her husband though, he's a big Notre Dame fan and a big Browns fan. So she'll, she'll occasionally watch football, but it's not, um, not something that she enjoys, but she does. She does make it very clear that she's in the minority in that situation. Uh, most of the folks there at uh, Wilson really do like football. On Fridays, um, they have uh, an opportunity to wear a shirt with or a jersey of their favorite football team at work. Um, and it's just really, she said it's amazing because the the folks there really take a lot of pride in their work, which you would expect. And, and it's kind of cool because they've, they now kind of play a role in how those games are played because, you know, to them, the star of the show isn't necessarily the guy throwing the ball or catching the ball or running the ball. Uh, the star of the show is the ball. And, and there's a lot of truth to that without the ball, you can't play the game. And so, um, they take a lot of, of, of pride and they really enjoy watching football there. Um, you know, and another thing about the factory that was interesting is that, is that you kind of get the feeling that in Ada, that, um, in terms of manufacturing, it's probably the only game in town. Um, people who work there, work there a very long time. Um, we met folks that have been working at that factory for years. Um, the lady who did the laces, who we talked to while she was lacing, you know, she was there for 17 years. Um, the guy that did the, um, kind of the, the entry delivery of the leather was there for a long time. I think he was there for 10, 15 years. Um, you know, Sharon was there for 27 years. And so it, it's a place that, that really becomes a family. And the cool part is, is that, um, families, you know, work there. So we met a guy who, who, uh, worked there, who works out the balls. Um, his dad worked there and his uncle worked there. So, you know, it's really kind of a, a place where multi-generations of folks worked there at the, um, Wilson Sportings Good Factory there in Aid, Ohio, making all the footballs. Um, we'll say at the end, um, they did have kind of like a, their guest shop, they called it, or, or gift shop, I'm sorry, um, was just two large crates of footballs that, for whatever reason, um, didn't make it to either uh, place they were supposed to go. Maybe these were rejects. Maybe they were overruns, whatever there was. But um, I did pick up a cool Canadian Football League football for like $15. Um Visibly, other than maybe a small scratch in the leather, there was no reason that this football would have not been able to be played with. Um, 
I did do a little research that, you know, there are people who say that the Canadian football is a little bigger. It's not. It's the same size. Uh, they do have kind of the stripes at the end of the football, the little white stripes all around. So I think that makes it look bigger. But no, it's not bigger. Same size. Same size football. Same type of material. It's it's an American football. And so that was just a fascinating place to go up to Ada, Ohio. Um, they do tours occasionally, but I think they're done for the year because right now they really have to ramp up production for the, uh, Super Bowl or Super Bowl football, which I guess you could call a Super Bowl, but no, the Super Bowl football. And we saw a lot of those being made, but they really got to start working on the production for that. And, um, they're making some other types of footballs there too. So, I mean, it's just a busy, busy place. And you're like, oh my gosh, look at all these footballs. It was such an amazing, um, amazing experience. Uh, the guys I went with, they said it was like a bucket list experience for them seeing and going and watching how these footballs are being made. So again, uh, a really interesting part of how the NFL and Ohio are just kind of intertwined. And I'll tell you what, that kind of leads me back to the question. There are four current NFL teams that started in Ohio. This is what I want you to do. If you know the answer, what are those four teams? Send me an email, beyondthecolumnpodcast at gmail.com. If you're the first one to get it right, I will send you a $10 gift card to um, Starbucks or Tim Hortons. Let me know which one you want. I'll make it happen for you. Um, but if you know the answer, let me know. Uh, we'll see if we can't get a, a winner out of uh, this little uh, contest that just came to my head. So um, that'll be it for this week. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. We'll be back next week. This is William Lutz for Beyond the Column. Don't forget, Get interactive with us. Uh, send us an email, beyondthecolumnpodcast at gmail.com. Look for us on Facebook, facebook.com slash beyondthecolumn. Also on Twitter, at beyondthecolumn. Uh, also, make sure you like, share, thumbs up, smiley face, do whatever um, at your favorite uh, podcasting service to let people know that you're enjoying what you're listening to. I certainly appreciate it. And if you can tell your friends that you're enjoying the Beyond the Column podcast, that would be helpful as well. Also, if you have any comments or questions, again, feel free to get interactive with us. Have a great week, everybody.